Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of TPR Talks. Today, we'll be discussing pensions dashboards with TPR's policy business lead, Louise Sivier, and Chris Curry, principal of the Pensions Dashboards programme. A pensions dashboard would allow savers to see all their pensions information online, securely, and in one place. A simple concept, which could revolutionise how savers engage with their funds, meaning better decisions about their retirement plans. A simple concept, yes, but complex delivery. Chris, will dashboards really improve engagement with pensions? I mean, there's a question about whether savers engage enough now. Will this change? Savers will still need to take an interest in order to go online, I assume. Uh, Yes, that's right. Pensioners dashboards are really, I think, the first step in helping to improve engagement from where we currently are in the pension space. So automatic enrolment, as we know, has been very successful in getting people into saving, although by using inertia, it's not always clear that people are aware that they're saving. And there's plenty of research to suggest they're not saving enough to really have an adequate income in retirement. By bringing all their information together in one place and allowing people to find it, we're confident that that will really help people increase their own confidence about their own financial circumstances and then give them uh, and empower them to be able to then actually to start to use other tools such as financial planning tools to seek further guidance or to do uh, whatever they think they need to do in order to secure themselves a better future. It's clear that pensions dashboards won't do all of this by themselves and there needs to be a lot of other work in particular around getting people to pensions dashboards and then helping them to take the information they find from the dashboard and to make better use of it. But the dashboard itself is really going to be an important step in helping people to engage with what they need to do going forward. I think that, yes, clearly, you know, there's a lot of value in um, savers being able to see all of their pension savings um, in one place. And as as Chris um, described, you know, it's got the potential to really improve how people engage with that. But I think one thing that um, does need to be in place alongside and which, you know, other parts um, of of industry and, and government and regulators are also working on is making sure that there is the proper support there to help savers make good decisions um, about about their retirement savings. So it's great that they'll be able to see and have a, have a really good view um, of all the savings that they've got. Um, and it would be great if they decide that they want to become more active um, and take more of an interest in those savings, but having the right support um, in place to, um, to make sure that they are making good decisions um, about their savings is absolutely vital. So I understand it's the first dashboard is going to be developed by the Money and Pension Service, but there are plans to have more in the market. Chris, what's the value of having more than one dashboard for savers? We think it's really important that as many as people as possible have access to pensions dashboards and can make use of them, as we've just been talking about, to help improve their, their engagement with their pension saving. Uh, And uh, while the Money and Pension Service dashboard is going to be really important uh, and a very good place for uh, for many people to go, especially when you consider it will be alongside a lot of the guidance that the Money and Pension Service currently offers uh, and will be developing in future, uh, the Money and Pension Service is not the sort of place that everybody is automatically going to go to if they want to find out about their pensions. Uh, And in fact, we think a lot of people may come across a pensions dashboard without actively searching for a pensions dashboard. So if you think about the way that people operate in the financial services space at the moment, uh, for example, the use of online banking uh, or looking at their insurance products online, if they come across a pensions dashboard in those places while they're looking at other financial uh, financial, uh, accounts they might have, then it may well drive traffic towards pensions dashboards if they come across them on their day-to-day basis rather than actively having to seek out the pensions dashboard. 
as we've just been talking about, engagement is not always particularly high. Uh, and so the chances of people saying, today is the day I need to find a pensioners dashboard, it may be relatively low. So we want there to be pensioners dashboards in places where people go on a regular basis and then become familiar with them and then perhaps start to use them uh, without actually having to make a conscious decision that that's what they're going to do. So for this, this dashboard or dashboards to work, um, there's a big piece of work going on to make sure that schemes have got the the data that they hold ready for it to be joined up and for the saver to be able to see them see see that information um chris can you tell us a bit about why the data exercise these calls for schemes to get their data ready is so important yeah i mean uh Pensions dashboards are only ever going to be as good as the data that, that goes through them. Uh, and the real purpose of a dashboard is to link individuals with the data about their pensions. So it's absolutely vital that that, that data is correct and as comprehensive as it can possibly be. Uh, we know that the pension system in the UK uh, is pretty fragmented. We know that it's been built up over a number of decades and the quality and quantity of data is very different in, very different, in different parts of uh, the pension system. Uh, but it's really important that when individuals start to use pensions dashboards, that they get their own data, that they can find all of the pensions that they uh, are entitled to, uh, and that the information that comes to them is correct. So that means we really need pension providers to, to firstly make sure that their data is, is accessible, to make sure that, that it's digital to start off with. And we know there are still parts of the industry that aren't in that place. We know that uh, they need to have good personal information, basic information like name, uh, date of birth, uh, registered address, uh, even things like national insurance number to allow individuals to match up with the data uh, or with the pensions that they have in their place. And also things like pensions income data to make sure that the people get a good idea of what their pension pension value is and what it might give them in retirement to really help them with that engagement side as well. So although we know that the industry is still waiting for some of the details to come through, there are some really basic uh, parts and elements of the data process uh, which we think and we know that, that many providers can actually be working on at the moment to make sure that when they are required to onboard and, and compulsory onboarding for pensions dashboards, we're currently planning to start in 2023, which is not too far away, that when we get to that stage, schemes are already up and running and ready to connect to the system. Louise, what's TPR's view on this data exercise? Are schemes, are, are schemes ready to do this? Are they in a good place? Yeah, well, well, TPL's position has been for a number of years that, you know, good data is um, vital and is, you know, the, the bedrock um, of, of a well-run scheme because, um, you know, if you haven't got the right data, then you can't be confident that you're paying the right benefits um, or paying benefits to the right person. Um, so, as Chris says, you know, uh, for the pensions dashboards to work effectively, people have got to be able to trust the data that's in front of them. Um, and that, that is vital to be able to maintain confidence in the pension system, because if data um, appears that is incorrect or if people are being presented with um, the, the wrong information or even worse information that isn't theirs, um, then obviously that is has the potential to really destroy confidence in the pension system. Um, and we have been working for a number of years to um, encourage schemes to improve their data, quite aside actually from, from pensions dashboard, but the pensions dashboards are just a, another very important reason to, to pay it the attention that it deserves. And really that's the problem that historically um, administration of pension schemes 
sort of generally um, and including data has not really been given the attention that it deserves. Um, there is certainly a greater focus on it now, um, and that's partly come from the pension dashboard project, but also the work that TPR has been doing over, over a number of years. Um, but as Chris said, you know, some of this data that we're looking at is decades old. Some of it is still held on paper. And I know that's quite a sh sort of shocking thing to think, um, you know, in the 21st century. But it is the case because actually some schemes, particularly some um, quite um, old DC schemes, um, have been around for a very long time. And so they have not made the transition onto digital records for all of their, all of their members at the moment. Um, so that is an issue um, and the, the general underinvestment in administration systems has been a historic issue as well. It's something that um, when it's when comparing against, uh, for example, you know, investment strategies and, and various, you know, more sexy subjects, if you like, um, that, that come with the running of a pension scheme. Administration has never really made it very far up the list. But like I say, you know, we are starting to see a change in that space, which is very, very welcome. But there is a lot of work to do. Um, we set out quite clearly our expectations around data um, more broadly um, quite quite some time ago. And we have, um, in the meantime, been working with industry and in particularly PASA um, have developed guidance for trustees and administrators which is quite detailed and helps them understand um, what they what they can do to get their data into shape um, and they also have a role um, in the pensions dashboard project um, as well uh, looking at looking at the data issues so um, there's lots of places that that schemes can go for support so the passive website um, and our website of course um, and there will be further guidance to come and further steers for trustees and those who are running pension schemes to make sure that they do get their data in shape for pensions dashboards. The DWP are planning to develop and consult on the detailed regulations that will require the pensions industry to deliver the data that's required for the dashboards. Louise, will TPR be providing guidance to schemes so trustees can be clear on what's expected of them? And how will it deal with the consequences of non-compliance? Yeah, I mean, we we are very clear that this is a huge undertaking for the pensions industry um, and we will be working with industry as it prepares to comply with the with the dashboard requirements. Part of that will be providing um, more guidance, um, but we will also be supporting schemes in other ways. I mean, really, we want to ensure that trustees are very clear on what their duties are, um, the steps that they need to take to meet them and when, um, and what the consequences are if they don't comply. So it's important that we, we set that out um, and make it very clear for trustees and other people who are running pension schemes. I've seen that pension providers, schemes and administrators and trustees all want more certainty and detail around what they're going to be asked to do and when they're going to be asked to do it. Chris, can you confirm that certainty is coming? And, and what's led to this sort of lack of uncertainty in some, some quarters? If I can deal with that second part first about what's sure. causing the uncertainty. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that since the Money and Pension Service took over responsibility for delivering pensions dashboards back in 2019, uh, there's been an awful lot that's been happening. And as you said right at the start of your introduction, this is a very complex programme. There are a large number uh, of different organisations uh, involved throughout the industry, throughout the regulators, through central government, 
through government digital service, through technical suppliers. There's a lot that's happening. And we're reliant on a lot of different things happening, such as the pension schemes bill going through, uh, the legislation coming through, things like uh, selecting the supplier for the digital architecture, which we've just started. So for a while, there's been a lot of moving parts. and It's been very difficult to pin down exactly when all of those things are going to start to deliver. We did publish a timeline back in last October, uh, which we are still working to. Uh, our next progress update report is coming out uh, in early May, and that will uh, include an update of that timeline, not with the times change, but with more detail uh, around what we're likely to be doing and when as part of that. So we do absolutely recognise the need for the industry, for those groups you mentioned, for administrators, for schemes, for trustees to have more certainty. And what we'll be doing alongside the progress update report is publishing more detail on that timeline not necessarily of, of what they're going to need to do, but when they can expect to find out more details about that. Uh, because some of these things will depend, for example, on which supplier is involved in building the architecture and how quickly they can onboard schemes, uh, what kind of uh, uh, techni technology they're going to be using and how schemes are going to connect. So we don't know all the answers now, but what we will be doing is setting out a clear plan of when we're expecting to be able to answer those questions, which should then allow the schemes, administrators and trustees to plan uh, what they need to do themselves over the next uh, 18 months to two years or so in order to get ready to comply by the time we get to 2023 and beyond. The timeline that you've um, put out also includes, I think, a stage where organisations will be invited or asked to help develop and test the PDP architecture. Why would schemes want to help out in this way? Yeah, it's really important that, that that we are engaging with the industry and and treat them as partners uh, as part of that and and another part of, of how we're going to do that is is part is uh it, firstly i think towards the end of may we'll be publishing uh, a call for input and asking for for views as to how schemes think they will be able to stage and when they might be able to stage uh, and connect up to the system. But as you say, what we also want to do is before it becomes compulsory, we want to go through a stage where we're helping uh, some schemes and some schemes are helping us to make sure the system works properly. So doing it on a voluntary basis as well as testing and developing. I think uh, some schemes have already expressed interest in doing that. And I think there's a number of reasons why they're keen on doing that. Firstly, there is a, a good amount of goodwill within the industry for pensions dashboards to work. They can see the benefit for their members of having pensions dashboards. Uh, I think there's also some potential advantages for, for those schemes that are involved in the early stages and helping to develop the ways that work best so they then have a better understanding uh, and more input into how it works before it comes to them having to do it uh, on, a, on, on a compulsory basis rather than being involved in the voluntary testing stage. I also think that, that there's a, a real reputational benefit for those schemes with their members uh, that if their members find out that, that the schemes are acting in and the administrators are acting in their own best interest by helping to develop something which is going to be very useful for them, then I'm sure that would be seen as a benefit too. Louise, how's the pensions regulator laying the groundwork for regulating the compliance of thousands of occupational pension schemes with these new rules and regulations that will be enforced? Yeah, I mean, um, one one of the key things in um, that we will be doing, sort of a, starting from um, relatively early on, is putting in place a really comprehensive program of communications um, and industry engagement with schemes, trustees, administrators, um, and providers ahead of the duties coming into force to make sure that you know we're really raising awareness and understanding of what needs to be done and by when, um, to make sure that people comply with the regulations. 
But in terms of when we actually get into um, regulating um, compliance proper, um, there's lots. I mean, the first thing to kind of note is that, you know, we do already regulate the schemes that will be required to um well, we, we already regulate, you know, a large number of the schemes that are will be required to comply with dashboard requirements. Um, and, you know, we we have experience with introducing, you know, new regulations and embedding in um, new duties to be complied with. Although it's fair to say that, you know, this is this is probably more sizable than, um, than most things that uh, that we need to implement. Um, but of course, the other major program that we've had to implement in the past is um, automatic enrolment. And we are taking a lot of lessons from um, automatic enrolment, particularly around um, gearing up to be very data driven um, and how to kind of scale up um, compliance to, to deal with large volumes of schemes having to undertake duties, um, at, you know, all, all at the same time. Um, and we are also working with um, the PDP and DWP and others on the detail and the proposals in the regulations to make sure that um, that what's what's putting the regulations around around the compliance sort of regime um, is workable for us and is something that you know we will be will be able to achieve. Um, but you know we we've been through um, at TPR a, a kind of transformation program over the last few years with our TPR Future program, and part of that work has put us in a place where um, we are able to be flexible. We can flex our compliance approach so we can prioritise our resources and interventions um, as necessary um, to make sure that we we achieve um, optimum levels of, of compliance across the board. And the dashboards program will be, you know, another another element to that where we would look to apply a similar approach. So, um, so there's a lot that we're doing, but a lot of lessons that we can we can take from from programs that we've implemented before and where we have seen success with compliance rates um, and we'll be taking that learning and, and looking to embed that as we develop the compliance system for dashboards. I work for TPR so perhaps it's understandable that I might say this but this sounds like a really positive chain of events. We've got automatic enrolment bringing millions of people to saving for the first time into their pensions and on top of that now we're providing a system where people will be able to easily interact and see what's happening it feels to me that it can only improve the relationship between savers and pension schemes and put savers in a better place to be able to manage their money sure as chris has explained it's not the only element in that chain there will be need, need to be more support out there on top of that but it sounds like a a, you know a really a really revolutionary project in the true sense of the word that it will really make a big change to how savers interact with their pensions um i'd like to take the opportunity to thank you both for joining me for the podcast um you've both been great guests and i look forward to hearing more about the pdb program in the future thanks very much mm-hmm.